Men and Women, Girls and Boys. A generation ago, back in 1992, a chap called Dr John Gray wrote a book called Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. It sold, according to CNN, 50 million copies, which would indicate some substantial interest in the topic. If Gray's proposition were true, then clearly the only way to reproduce, given the separation of the genders, would be by parthenogenesis. I wouldn't recommend it. So what's the modern view? Dr Candice Blake at the University of New South Wales suggests we should be able to choose between nature and nurture. Boys need not always be boys, even if they're called Harvey Weinstein. Dr Candice Blake. sounds like I traverse a lot of different boundaries and I do do that in my work but I often find that the reality of what I do sometimes just looks like sitting in a room thinking about sex a lot (laughs) and it's absolutely not where I thought I would be when I started my gender studies degree almost 15 years ago. See I've always been fascinated by sex differences and what it really takes to empower men and women to be men and women. I initially started looking at this from a framework of feminist theory back in my undergrad days, where I was elected and represented over 50,000 female students on my campus. After that, I worked as a life coach and a business coach, and a lot of what I dealt with with my clients was about empowering them in their interactions with the opposite sex. So you can imagine that by the time I came to do my PhD in psychology, I felt I had a pretty good understanding of gender relations. And I have this really distinct memory I'm sitting in a workshop on evolutionary psychology about a month into my PhD. I'm enthusiastic about being there, but I'm more than a little sceptical that evolution has got anything new to tell me about gender. Then the presenter starts to talk about the ultimate function of male-male alliances and why they often exclude women. He talks about the fitness costs and payoffs of women's preoccupation with their physical appearance. Now, he keeps on going and... I find myself sitting there flabbergasted that I had not come across this stuff before. And after considering and then finally ruling out that perhaps I was just more ignorant than I thought I was, I really made it my business to never again be blind to both sides of the debate. And since that time, I have committed myself to finding out how evolutionary insights can help us resolve gendered problems. And I've learned a few things along the way. First, That whole nature-nurture argument is alive and strong. It's a loud one. Second, even though we know that the whole nature-nurture thing is probably a false dichotomy, that doesn't seem to make much difference. And third, until we're really able to rectify this, I think we're quite thwarted in terms of moving forward. And this, in my opinion, is what's got to change. Now, when I talk about nature and nurture, on the nurture side, I'm talking about the idea that what we consider to be masculine and feminine is not innate or arbitrary, but is informed by historic circumstances. So these are things like socialisation practices, stereotypes and imitation. In short, we reward people who act in stereotype consistent ways, like warm mothers and stoic woodchoppers, and we punish people who act in stereotype inconsistent ways, like working mothers and male primary school teachers. Now, it happens close at home as well, so if you're a female academic in the room, you'll know that when it comes time to get your student evaluations, that students will comment on what you're wearing and how you look, and whether you're wearing enough makeup or too little. 
In fact, research has shown that on a scale of zero to 100, that female academics are rated on average 37 points below male ones. Now, on the other side is the nature argument. And the nature argument says that differences between men and women are partly attributable to biological fundamentals. So I'm talking about genes, hormones, but also fundamental patterns in terms of who tends to look after the kids and who tends to maybe deep down wonder if the kids are really theirs. <laughs> now, the biology side says, hey, we see these kinds of patterns in 95% of all mammals. Humans are mammals, we're not that different, case closed. Now, whether sex differences are the source of nature and nurture has really been the focus of a lot of controversy quite recently. But it's by no means a new issue. People have been talking about this again and again since Plato's day. Which kind of begs the question, why do we keep on having these conversations? Now, let's take this guy. You may have heard of him. His name is Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> he is a major donor to progressive causes. He's also a very famous Hollywood producer. More than 60 women have now come forward and said that he has sexually assaulted and or raped them. And when the first few accusations arise, this is what he says. He blames culture. But don't think that it's just the cultural side gets to use the blame card. You may or may not know this guy. His name is Brock Turner. He is a Stanford student who was convicted of three counts of sexual assault, including intention to rape, of an unconscious 19-year-old woman. Now, the ultimate penalty for these kinds of crimes, the maximum sentence, is 14 years, but Brock received three months. The judge said that he was just trying to be a boy, and he took it too far, granted, but boys will be boys after all. The judge blames nurture. And I think we can be big enough to admit it. It can be nice to have something to blame sometimes, right? You know, my husband and I have this little secret thing that we do, that whenever one of us doesn't do something around the house that we know we should have done, we blame the dog. <laughs> in fact, we even blame a dog that doesn't live in our house anymore, but nevertheless, it's nice to blame something else. See, nurture blames culture. I'm just the product of my environment. Nature blames biology. Hey, buddy, I am the result of 200,000 years of evolution, you know? I just do. <laughs> you know, the other reason I think this whole dichotomy sticks around is fear. And when you think about that, the fear often applies to the biological side of things. It kind of does make sense. We have not been very responsible at using biological ideas to empower the masses. Dare I mention eugenics? Or how about phrenology? If you don't know that one, Google it, a bundle of laughs. Then there was the idea that women's wombs used to wander throughout their body and react to certain things, and sometimes that wandering womb would make them hysterical. This was a real thing, okay? I'm not making this up. Now, the concern is that if we accept that some sex differences are biological, it means that we need to accept things like sexual assault, male-male aggression and traditional sex roles. And we might not want to accept those things, so we say we won't look at the biology card. But that fear makes us hesitant around accepting biological truths, and we remain stuck having the wrong conversation. Now, here's the conversation I think we should be having. Ultimately, whether sex differences are due to nature or nurture is really superfluous if we don't also grasp that we have a choice. See, Weinstein may like to say that he just did those things because of culture, 
Brock Turner may console himself at night by saying that, oh, he was just trying to be a boy. But you and I, we know they had a choice, don't we? And I think that when we start to deny the choice that we have in our own actions, we tend not to see it and even to mischaracterize that choice in other people as well. Let's take this woman here. You may have heard of her or seen her before. She's probably the most photographed woman in human history, but what makes her so different is she's done a lot of it herself, in fact, most of it herself. On a recent four-day vacation to Mexico, it's rumored she took 6,000 selfies. Is she just a passive tool of the patriarchy, commodifying her own bodies to suit the interests of men? I doubt it. She is worth $175 million. She's a producer of that TV show. She has her own makeup line that's sold out within three hours of debut. She makes more money than her uber-famous husband, Kanye West. See, she is strategizing and fulfilling on her interests, and she is outrageously benefiting from it. And these kinds of sexy selfies is one of the ways that she does it. In fact, what I find is that sexy selfies happen most in environments where there is a large gap between the haves and the have-nots. And particularly, it seems to be about a gap in male income. See, one way of understanding this is when you're seeing sexy selfies, what you're seeing is someone engaging in a behavior where if it pays off and they do attract that man at the top of the hierarchy, they are going to reap extraordinary benefits. Now, are they working in an environment that's probably patriarchal and are there things about that we might want to change for women and also for men? Yeah, absolutely. But it's a far cry from them being passive. And I think when you can start to appreciate that it's nature, nurture, and we've got a choice, we have the ability to confront sex differences without having to get up in arms about them or defensive. See, women may have evolved to be more risk averse. Men may have even evolved to try and regulate female sexuality. I get it. They are very uncomfortable things to say. They're kind of a little offensive in some ways. But do you know what else we've evolved to do? Eat meat. Many of us don't. We've evolved to gorge ourselves on high-calorie foods, yet most of us have ways of self-regulating. See, the evolved tendency in isolation is actually pretty lackluster. The fruit is figuring out where the environment generates flexibility in how we choose to act. So if you walked in here tonight, an ardent feminist, feeling very strongly that history tells us we should not let biological ideas get in the way of understanding gendered issues, I really feel your pain. And if, on the other hand, you're here from a biological standpoint, thinking that regularities in 200,000 years of evolution explain it all, I can get where you're coming from, too. But the truth is, in isolation, you're both wrong. And you need to work together if we want to create a new future. A new future for men and women without the scandals we've been watching on Four Corners and 60 Minutes. Dr Candice Blake is an evolutionary psychologist at the University of New South Wales. Next week from Melbourne, Samuel Neese will be paying tribute to his hero, Dr Oliver Sacks. I'm Robin Williams.